Here we go. It is the Wednesday edition of the In the Fourth podcast with your host, Cole Northrup. We had a crazy week, especially in the NFL. I mean, we had a 10% chance Pittsburgh who made the playoffs off a Jags win off of the Raiders and Chargers managing to not tie, even though they really, really tried to tie um, off of the Pittsburgh Steelers somehow miraculously beating Baltimore in an ugly slot fest in the rain that was Baltimore. And then we had the national championship game, obviously last night uh, between Alabama and Georgia. And that's where we're going to start today, right? And sometimes in life, you got to take, you got to take risks, right? Whether that is something that works out in the end or something that doesn't work out in the end. And the best time is to do it when you're young, usually, right? You are living at your parents' house. You don't have a lot of money, right? And so when you take these risks, you they mean more to you, right? Say you only have whatever eight thousand dollars in your bank account, and you spend two thousand of it. You're you're pretty invested in comparison to if you had two hundred thousand dollars and invest two thousand of it. You're not that invested, right? So when you're young in your life, and you're all in on something. Whether, whether it works out or whether it doesn't, you learn a great deal from that experience, whether that's a business venture, whether that is going home and putting it all on crypto or going home and putting it all on stocks or you know a failed excursion, whatever it is, you learn a ton of it, a ton from it overall. And that's where I look at Georgia. And they were a rising, steady program right under Mark Richt. They were getting better. They were consistent. Eight, nine, ten win team usually, right? Really had a ceiling because of what their recruiting was because they couldn't develop players overall under the Mark Ripps scheme. And Georgia looked around and they said, well, Bama's winning championships and Florida's winning championships in 07 and 08. And we're just not competing on the national level, right? We want to compete at that national stage. And so they fired Mark Richt. They moved on from him, the most successful coach in Georgia history. And they brought in Kirby Smart, a Saban disciple, which up until this point hadn't worked, right? A true Saban disciple hadn't worked. And they brought him in and they gave him the keys. They said, whatever you need, recruiting-wise, whether that's helicopters, whether that's a new stadium, um, new facilities, we're going to give it to you, right? And it worked out for him. It worked out. It was a shot in the dark. You know, you're you're going on a on a Bitcoin runner, right? Something that you think is could be Bitcoin, and it 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 was it ended up being Ethereum in the sense, right? So Georgia won the national championship last night. They've strung together multiple top five recruiting classes. They're going to continue to do so, and I really see them as a early stage Alabama. And you're going to say, okay, Cole, what, what, what do you mean by early stage Alabama? They're not going to be as dominant as Alabama, but they're always going to be in the conversation. They're going to be in Ohio state. They're going to be in Oklahoma, right? Where you have to mention them a Clemson where you have to mention them every year in the playoffs in a sense, because they're going to always have a top five recruiting class. They can get better, especially at the quarterback position, even though what a story Stetson Bennett is. I know Stetson personally. We threw together at the Elite 11. Uh, we became friends at the Elite 11. Really, really cool guy. Um, loved the nickname, the mailman. 
uh, super clever, super uh, way to make people recognize who you are and uh, coaches to remember you. So complete congratulations to him. But you, could you imagine a four or five star as, 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 as quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs? I mean, that's where they can get better. Their defense obviously is going to be stacked year in and year out based off the talent and Kirby Smart being a defensive guy. Uh, and it, it just gives me early Alabama feels where they were winning with quarterbacks you had never heard of, right? Jake Coker, uh, quarterbacks like that where you're just like, these guys aren't it. They're getting carried by their defense. And that's really what Stetson Bennett was last night. He was carried by his defense, made some big-time throws late. Uh, but overall, for most of the season, the defense was the story of the Georgia Bulldogs. So in a couple years, when Georgia has four- and five-star quarterbacks, just like how Bama has produced Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones and uh, Tua, and now Bryce Young will be the number one pick in 2023, um, Georgia's going to produce the same level of quarterbacks, right? High-end draft pick first-rounders, and they're just going to become a machine. They are just going to become a machine with Kirby Smart at the helm as long as he stays. So it'll be really fun and really interesting because you're going to have this battle year in and year out within the SEC, within the national championship, especially if they expand it from a playoff standpoint. You could probably throw Texas A&M in there now because, I mean, as of right now, their donors have spent 25 to to $30 million on recruiting alone this year, and they have the number one class. So they, they beat Bama earlier this year, and they're closer than what people think. So, you know, there's there's usually about six to seven programs that could realistically win the national championship every year. That's probably going to be about the same, you know, going forward. It'll be Georgia, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Texas A&M, USC, Oklahoma, and if Texas can ever get off their ass, Texas. Uh It'll be really fun. You're going to have the surprise teams, the Power 5 teams that come out of nowhere, like the Michigan States, like the Boise States or Cincinnati's, uh, the Oregon's of the world, right? But mainly, it's going to be the five the five to seven teams every year in the playoffs where we're going to get great games. We're going to get a, you know, a Penn State-Oklahoma game. We're going to get an Alabama-Clemson game where you're watching the best teams, the best players from around the country play on a consistent basis, and that's all we want. Right? That's all we want. So hats off to Georgia. Congratulations for beating Alabama. Coming up next, we're going to flip to whatever the hell happened on Sunday. So obviously we have to talk about this Raiders-Chargers game that happened on Sunday night. I mean, first off, we were all cheering for the tie, I would hope. Uh, I certainly was. I tweeted out before the game that if you were not cheering for the tie, you were not fun. Okay. I wanted four quarters of kneels, of punts, of just three straight runs, and the score ending 0 0 or 3 to 3 or whatever. And we us getting to see not only Derek Carr, but also Justin Herbert in the playoffs, right? But because they didn't tie, we get to watch the dinosaur that is Big Ben complete three-yard passes and get blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs. So hats off to you guys, Chargers and Raiders, for allowing this to happen to our poor souls on a television television screen on Sunday Night Football, okay? But overall, right, everyone's blaming Brandon Staley for the the timeout. And yes, 
did it feel like the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders were going to let the clock run out if they didn't get the first down on that third de- on the third down in overtime? It did. It felt like that. Okay, but we know that the Chargers were absolutely awful all year at not only tackling but mostly stopping the run. Okay, Josh Jacobs had like 92 yards in the fourth quarter in overtime. Okay. He was shredding them up and down the field. And you're going to tell me that the Chargers, who already weren't correctly lined up and didn't have the right personnel in the game, were going to stop the shotgun run that the Raiders were about to run. I don't think so. I, I just, I purely do not think so. Jacobs might have just busted it and took and taken it for a touchdown. Okay, so I completely support Brandon Staley taking a timeout because he understands how big of a situation this is. If they stop them, then the Raiders are either going to let the clock run out or they're going to kick a 58-yard field goal and you hope you hope he misses, right, if you're the Chargers. So he takes the timeout to get the right personnel on the field because he knows it's going to be a run. And to the Chargers' detriment, the Raiders pop one for 12. It is what it is. It happens, okay? I'm not going to blame Brandon Staley for doing the smart thing that a coach should do, right? Make sure your team is prepared for the given situation if you know what the situation is going to be, right? I'd be more pissed if he just let the clock run out and let them run the play and Josh Jacobs, you know, busts one and he comes out, you know, comes to the end of game press conference and says, yeah, I could have taken a timeout, but I thought they were just going to give up and, you know, I didn't want to put the right personnel on the field. Then I think he would have really gotten ripped, Right? So it's a shame that we don't get to see Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers in the playoffs. Uh, they would have gone to Buffalo, and I probably would have picked the Chargers over my Bills. Uh, they were not a good matchup for anybody in the playoffs because of what you saw on Sunday night. Herbert throwing absolutely pearls down the field. I mean, that 4th and 21 that he converted, which when he threw that dig, for a touchdown was absolutely insane. You're not supposed to be able to do that as a quarterback. Um, his ability to thread needles like he did on the la- on the overtime drive or the last drive before overtime uh, where he threw it to Mike Williams was, I mean, you were throwing it through a car wash. It was insane. So you got to see his talent on display. It's a shame that we don't get to see it in the playoffs. But I do not blame Brandon Staley one bit for the timeout right? If they don't go t- down 10-0 at the start of the game, it's a completely different game, you know? Um, I do wish they, they went for the tie. I do wish we got to see both teams in the playoffs, but the people that are calling for Brandon Staley's job are are just preposterous, you know? Listen, guys, coaches are going to use more analytics. That's just the way the world's going to happen, okay? Just like presidents all of a sudden are going to use Twitter because guess what? It worked for Donald Trump, either whether it helped him or hurt him. He was talked about. He was the most talked about president in American history, right? Biden uses Twitter. Uh, You're going to see future presidents use Twitter. Just like in the medical industry, everything's going to outpatient, right? Everything's moving to not having patients in the hospital. Why? Because they're more likely to get severe diseases when staying overnight. Okay, so... At the end of the day, this is where the world is moving, okay? Don't be like, oh, no, we're going to be the hospital that you know keeps our patients for two days and increases prices. No, that's not going to work. You're going to go out of business, okay? If you're a coach that is 
you know, 34 years old and is like, oh, I'm going to go back to the old days and run wing T and not look at analytics on when to punt or when to go for it and just, you know, go off my gut. Guess what? You're probably not going to be employed very long. Okay. Embrace the analytics. Embrace what Brandon Staley's doing because he's doing the right thing. Okay. The expectation that was built on the Chargers after about week seven when they started five and two was crazy. I mean, I expected them in the AFC Championship game, so I was a part of that group because I think they had the talent to do so. But this was Brandon Staley's first year. This was his first year. Okay. He took a 4 3 defense that was cover three base to all of a sudden when he walks in the door, he's a 3 4 defense that runs too high majority of the time. Okay. They didn't sign any free agents this offseason. All they did was build around Justin Herbert from an offensive standpoint. Okay. So. Give Brandon Staley some time. I think he's an outstanding coach. I think he's doing the the best thing possible in listening to the analytics. Now, does that necessarily mean go for the fourth and two on your own 19? That might be a little extreme, right? Like, you can have ice cream, but just don't have it for breakfast type of deal. Um, so that might be taking it to the, to the nth extreme. But at the end of the day, embrace the analytics. Okay, guys? Coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the firings that happened on Black Monday and where these coaches should go and what coaches or what teams would be really good to So we've had a mass of head coach openings as well as GM openings across the NFL, right? The the Raiders are open because of the entire Gruden debacle. You have the Jaguars open, obviously, because of the Urban debacle that happened. Both of those happened earlier this year, right? Fangio was fired in Denver. Not my personal choice, and here's why. And it also applies to Brian Flores in Miami, who was unexpectedly canned. For those two candidates, if you are a company and you fire somebody who is going to be immediately swept up and wooed by your competitors, you probably need to rethink firing that person because that person's really, really good at their job, right? And if you let them go, it's going to come back and to your detriment and haunt you, right? Brian Flores, top eight defense this year, right? Obviously did not have the offensive line right, which I blame the GM more than Brian Flores. And it was reported and came out previously that Flores was more of a Herbert fan than he was a Tua fan at the draft. And he banged on the table to, to draft Herbert. The GM, Chris Greer, wanted Tua. The owner, Stephen Ross, wanted Tua. They took Tua, right? And now you look across the NFL landscape, and Justin Herbert's a top-five quarterback, right? At least a top three AFC quarterback at minimum. I say he's a top five quarterback in the entire league. And then you have Tua, who's, you know, going to be traded for Deshaun Watson or, you know, an average quarterback in the NFL, you know, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there, right? I'd be mad too if I was Brian Flores because I'd look around and say, that's the guy I wanted. You guys screwed me and you guys still can't pick an offensive line for the guy that you wanted to draft, right? So Miami... I think made somewhat of a rash decision um, because Brian Flores took this team from nothing in 2019 uh, to 
an expected contender, which was this year. Uh, don't forget, guys. Do not forget this. 2019, the the Miami Dolphins did not have a pro bowler on their roster. Not one. And they had Mika Fitzpatrick on that roster. Okay? So, Flores took that in 2019. They were abysmal. They were purposely losing games. Right? They won some games at the end of the year. I, I think they went like 5 for 8 at the end of the year. Ended up being the number 5 pick. Took the wrong quarterback, which I mostly blame on the GM. Uh, took Tua. And they've been... They were a 10-win team in 2020, and they missed the playoffs this year because they lost to Tennessee in Week 17 of the 2021 season. I mean, Miami is right there. They are right there. Now, do they need upgrades on the offensive line? Of course they do. Do they possibly need an upgrade at quarterback? Possibly. You can make the argument, right? It doesn't help that Tua's had three offensive coordinators, now the fourth offensive coordinator in four years, right? That doesn't help at all. There's absolutely no continuity among that coaching staff, just for reference, you know how many uh, how many offensive coordinators Josh Allen's had? One, Brian Dable. So it's important in the NFL to have continuity, so that way you can learn and you know expand what that offense is being run. So at the end of the day, I think the Dolphins are going to regret firing Brian Flores, and he's going to go to a team like Jacksonville a team like Chicago, a team like Houston, who has pieces, who has draft capital. I mean, I'd love to see him in in Minnesota. That defense is a good defense. They were the number one third down defense in the entire league this year. And he would have a semblance of a quarterback. I'd love to see him in Jacksonville. That defense was somewhat underrated. They were an average defense, even though they didn't play like it this year. Um, Statistically, they were an average defense in Jacksonville. He'd have a a franchise-level you know, top five possible quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, uh, and he could just coach defense and go on from there. I think he's going to work in a ton of different spots. He's easily the hottest coaching candidate on the market, right? And same goes for Vic Fangio. Um, Denver had a top five defense this year. I believe it was number three. They were just lighting people up at the end of the year. And like we said on the podcast earlier, when you after you, the week after you played Denver, you would explode for 30 or 40 points. Why? Because Denver was just so darn good, they'd shut you down. They had great personnel, especially on the back end with on the secondary. Um, I'd love to see Fangio get another head coaching job. I don't know if he will. Uh, he's certainly not the candidate that Brian Flores is, but I hope Fangio gets opportunities as head co- as a head coach. I know he's going to get opportunities as a defensive coordinator. That's really easy. Um, a great pairing to look at would be Harbaugh and Fangio. They coached together in San Francisco. They made multiple Super Bowls and uh, NFC Championship games together. Um, that's that's something that if Harbaugh was to come from college football, that would make sense. That would make sense overall. I'd love to see them in Vegas. I'd love to see them together in Jacksonville. Um, it would be sign me up all day. I think it's going to work. Stamp it. Let's go. So... Other coaching candidates that are out on the market right now, obviously Dayball, uh, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, are, is getting looks. You're also getting the Doug Petersons of the world, former Super Bowl champion with the Philadelphia Eagles. And you're just going to have coaches that are kind of retreads a little bit. But, you know, like your, like your, like your Todd Bowles. But 
at the end of the day, if you're one of these teams that already has a franchise quarterback, a Trevor Lawrence, a Justin Fields, right? Now that um, the Giants just let go of Joe Judge, if whether or not you believe that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, whether or not that you believe in Houston, Davis Mills has the possibility of being a franchise quarterback, right? All of these places, you have to be aggressive. You have to get offensive-minded coaches or a top-tier defensive-minded coach. Brian Flores, Vic Fangio. Don't go after a mid-level Todd Bowles type of coach because at the end of the day, it's not going to work, right? Just look at the playoff teams right now. I believe out of the 14 of them, 11 are offensive coaches. Uh, The only ones that aren't are Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, uh, Sean McDermott, who's a top three defensive coach in this entire league. And, I mean, I can't think of the other one off the top of my head. So, at the end of the day, the the world is shifting towards offense, right? Whether that's Zach Taylor, Mike McCarthy, um, the list just goes on and on overall. Cliff Kingsbury, McVay, uh, Shanahan, it's just it just seeps throughout the NFL coaching cycle that you want to be an offensive coach in this league. So please, for the love of God, help these rookie quarterbacks, these Trevor Lawrence's, these Justin Fields, to get to the next step, to take the next level to their game, right? Hire an offensive coach, hire a Dayball, hire a Kellen Moore, um, hire guys that are going to push the envelope and that are veteran and know what they're doing because it's going to be better for your entire organization if you do so. I appreciate you guys tuning into this podcast, this midweek podcast. Expect one on Friday while we dive into the wild card. Cannot wait for some of these games this week. And you know, Bills Patriots Saturday night, it's going to be an absolute slugfest. Cannot wait. Talk to you guys. Tomorrow.